Ladies and gentlemen, for a wonderful selection of craft beer right here in Chico, California, I and my friend Johnny Summers highly, highly encourage you to check out the Handlebar. It's a craft beer bar, it's a restaurant, and seven days a week they have a happy hour. From 2 to 6 p.m., you get a dollar off any of their amazing craft beers. They have 28 on draft. They've got a bunch of great cocktails and wine and all sorts of specials. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street. So go check them out. Again, that's the Handlebar right here in Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based in Chico, California. I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Thanks for being wherever you are, but listening to us wherever you are again. This week on the show, we have our review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the latest Marvel film about Shang-Chi, a 20-something valet living in San Francisco who, after an attack by a group of assassins, must confront the past he thought he left behind. It is the 25th film in the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe, and in order to properly unpack all two hours and 12 minutes of it, we're going to need some beers. And those beers this week come from Dunlow Brewing out of Davis, California. The first is a double IPA of the New England variety, and the second is going to be a German chocolate cake-inspired stout. Yeah, if you happen to be listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, all your beautiful ears are going to get to hear is our discussion of the first beer and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Shang-Chi. But if you want to hear the full conversation, plus more than 200 other episodes of this show going all the way back to 2016, you can find them at any of the following places. Yeah, just whip out that smartphone. You can find us on Spotify or SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. We drop new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m. And if you like the podcast, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a review. It really does help other people discover our lovely little show. Follow us on social medias, uh, Instagram for pictures, Letterboxd for film reviews, and Untapped for beer reviews. Those can all be found with the typing of at Fresh Hop Cinema. Nice. Or go to our website, freshhopcinema.com. Yeah, if you want to write us a well-worded love letter, you can send it via electronic mail to fhccast at gmail.com. We love emails. We read all of them, and the really, really good ones we read on the show. So don't be shy. If you want to reach out, please do fhccast at gmail.com. If you want to be our favorite person in the whole world, you can join <laughs> Patreon. Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema. That is where you, the lovely listener, help us keep living our dreams. For as little as $1 a week, you get all kinds of bonus content and fun stuff. We do events now that the world is somewhat better sure. for, the, for the moment. Sure. We're doing some get-togethers. We'll keep doing those as long as we feel they're safe. Uh, but anyways, yeah, bonus stuff every week is fun. Max, we did Making Movies 101, sure. which is not to say it's the first one. It's just the basics of making movies. In our series, we are on the role of key grip. So if you were ever curious about what a key grip does in movie production, tune into Patreon or join so you can listen and find out about that. We really appreciate all of our patrons. They definitely make this happen. Uh, also, we have two new patrons, so big welcome to Mr. Ben Murray and Philip James. Yo! We've been some good friends of the show already. We've done an event in Philip's pool, so now that you're in Patreon, that just means we get to use the pool whenever, <laughs> right? I'm assuming. I think that's what so, that means, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, shout out to the new patrons. Uh, really appreciate having you guys. Thanks for joining. Yep. Also, happy birthday to our patron, Jared Schmidt. 
September 9th is his birthday and the day of this airing. It will have been, I don't know, recently? Yeah. No, it'll be, well, we're, recording yeah. This, we're recording this before, but it'll come out day just after. the day after his yeah. birthday. So happy future and past birthday because we're time travelers. Yeah, I haven't seen Jared in so long, um, partially because he doesn't live quite as close as, as he used to. But yeah, dude, happy birthday. Thanks for the constant support over the years. We really appreciate you and miss you. Abs- absolutely. Also, just jumping in here on the edit the next day, it turns out as I was updating our Patreon birthday calendar, it's also Philip James's birthday. You guys, Jared and Philip, you share a birthday. What a wonderful thing. So happy birthday to you both officially. We appreciate the heck out of you. Uh, thanks for your support. And I think that's it. Back to the show. Okay, Johnny Summers, I think that's all of the housekeeping we need. Uh, shall we dive into um, a, a brewery that we haven't done in quite a while? I can't remember exactly when, but I'm sure you can tell me the last time we drank Dunlow Brewing's beer. Absolutely. Let's do it. I'm going to open it. Here it goes. Oh, there's that sweet, sweet sound. Dunlow Brewing out of Davis, California. We haven't done them for about a year and a few months. Yeah. Last time we did okay. them was episode 186. Back in April of 2020, we reviewed their wit beer, Cheap Sunglasses. If you recall, you gave that a 7. I gave it a 6.5. So above average beer. Didn't knock our socks off, but it was definitely solid. I remember enjoying it. So pretty excited to get into this beer today. Yeah, okay. Which is also, like, we're not huge fans of wit beers. So I feel like that throwing that into the equation means that that 7 and 6.5 are, like, even better ratings. Like, you know, it was good, but I don't even like wit beers that much. What I do like yeah, totally. are uh, New England IPAs, which I believe is is the style of the first beer, correct? I, I didn't know this was New England. I thought this was just a double IPA. Yeah, it was, I see that on the can too, but it was listed on Untapped, which is the only place I could find it. It wasn't on their website any longer, um, but it's it was listed as a New England there. Um, so I'm sure maybe we can do, maybe, maybe we'll just trust our mouths once we pour it. Like, have you poured yours yet? Does it look like a New England IPA? It looks a little hazy. Oh, not, little not definitively though? Not definitively. It looks like it could just be a double IPA. Do you want me to read what's on the side of the can? Please. Uh, This was inspired by Curtis Park Market and their amazing sandwiches, which are carefully mustard. (laughs) I see what you did there. By their sandwich slinger, (laughs) dubbed the Delhi Lama. Uh, Double Delhi Lama, double IPA with Citra and Idaho gem hops. 8.2% alcohol. Yeah, so in case we didn't say it, the beer is called Delhi Lama, a fun play on words to the Dalai Lama, I assume. Um, I was going to read what they had um, from Untapped, but I think the can basically does uh, the same sort of thing with a little bit of different wording. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think let's let's dive in, man. I'm, I'm not totally convinced either way because I've also poured mine. And you could tell me this was a, a West Coast IPA, maybe, but you could also tell me it's a New England. I'd be like, all right, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I just by it looking yet. at it, yeah. just by looking at it, it's it's not definitive. I would do want to talk a little bit about the can while you are trying the beer. Okay. Um, yeah, I was talking to the owner of Curtis Park Market, where I've been known to buy beers for the show. He's a cool guy. I like getting beers there. They get a lot of out of market stuff uh, that we don't see in Chico. So I was there, and he was telling me that they private labeled this pretty much just for them nice. at Curtis Park Market. And the man that you see sitting on a llama on the can is, in fact, their own Delhi Lama. He is the Delhi manager. I met him when I bought this beer. So pretty cool. Like a fun little, like, super local shout-out to a, a local place from yeah. a local brewery. Um, well, listen, man, thanks for the backstory, number one. Number two, I've tasted it, and you are not going to like it. I'm really sorry. I can confirm this is a New England IPA, and it skews towards the type of New England IPA that I very much enjoy, but I believe you find to be a bit too sweet. Have you had a chance to taste it yet? 
you know, I just took a sip and it's way more bitter than I expected from that reaction from you. Okay. Maybe, I, yeah, maybe it's, uh, I was coming off of a, a drink I had a little bit earlier. Maybe it's just tasting extra sweet to me, but, um, okay. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad you kind of dig it. It sounds like. Uh, I don't hate it for sure. It's definitely, you know, thick and full bodied and it has, you know, the look now that I've tasted it, it looks different. Yes. Does, it does. that make sense? It totally is. I'm looking like that's so obviously the New England IPA now. It's like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the nose, it's got that sweet nose profile. But yeah, it does have a pretty present hop flavor, a lot of dry earthiness. Um, I wouldn't say this is like overly sweet. It definitely, excuse me, definitely tastes like an IPA of the double variety. Um, it's not going to be my favorite beer, but mm-hmm. I think it's it's pretty well made. And uh, I could see you liking this beer a lot more than me, Yeah, though. I think stylistically, this definitely leans towards the max category. Uh, but yeah, I think it's pretty good. I'm going to sip it a couple more times while you tell me what you think. Yeah. So it's it's definitely, it's still definitely sweet to me. And, and there's some hoppy bitterness for sure. But the thing that strikes me the most is for the high ABV, again, it's 8.2%. It gets pretty smooth, but also really robust and full. Like I think you said that just a second ago. It's, it's a very full-bodied beer. There's a lot of like almost like a flaked oats kind of um, creaminess might be close to the right word. It's a very, not thick, that's not quite right, but but a very full drinking experience. I really like the body on this. It's, it's very satisfying. Yeah, it is. It's got like a nice mouthfeel for drinking. It's it's It coats the palate in a way that like really ensures that you get all of your flavor receptors on the old tongue working man it it really just gets up in there yeah it is not yeah you're right like thick isn't quite the right yeah. word but it's not it's not not the right word right but it's, it's i think it needs to be like you got to say thick and then a few other descriptors including like creamy and and maybe maybe slightly viscous flavor wise though i'm i'm pretty about this i think it's very very good it's not too sweet and after my first drink i thought for sure it would start skewing that way Um, but it's not, man. There's a lot of almost tropical notes to it. It's very drinkable, especially for that sneaky 8.2%. That's, uh, one of the more surprising eight twos I've had in a long time. I think creamy is probably the absolute right description. This like, you could tell me that you poured this off of a nitro tap and I'd almost believe you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. This also might be one of the rare IPAs that could be good on nitro. I was just thinking that I'm like, this would be an interesting beer to have on nitro just to like amplify the existing textures that are there. Totally. I'd also be interested to try a version of this that was made with lactose. I know you'd be out for that, but I think that would maybe even make it too creamy and sweet. Yeah. But right. still interested. Yeah, totally. It, it yeah, gives me, I'm, yeah, like the tropical vibes are actually coming through the more I drink it. Like very not, I mean, I had this great beer from a friend of the show, Cameron, that she sent at home with me and it was a, it was a tiki IPA and I'm blanking on the name right now, but it's almost got that vibe to it. It's extremely Wasn't tropical. Is that from Little Beast? Uh, maybe. Let's say yes. And we'll just hope nobody Googles it if we're wrong. Okay. Okay. Uh, Nobody's fact checking us anyway. <laughs> Come on. Uh, this is good, man. I, I, like the, I like the tropical notes. I like the hoppiness. I like most things about this beer. Excellent. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased with it too. Again, not my favorite style, but I, I mean, it's solid. I don't, it's not disagreeable for sure. It's really round. Like there is that hoppy bitterness, but I'm almost, my brain keeps trying to trick me. Like it's almost like my brain is telling me, no, there's no bitterness there because by the time I finish drinking, like after the swallow, it's just rounded off into this really nice, soft kind of sweetness. Well, it's kind of nice to see a beer that can pull off being hoppy and also smooth. Totally. 
Yeah, I just because I like it's this a lot. hoppy. Just because it's hoppy doesn't have mean it has to finish bitter or have like a terrible mouthfeel. Yeah, I'm looking um, at you, 2000 to 2010. <laughs> just a whole like, decade of beer making. <laughs> just the more, um, to some extent, like the more unpleasant kind of this drinking experience is, the better it'll sell. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised we didn't have a beer called Tongue Melter in that period. I bet you if we looked hard enough. If you're the brewery that makes Tongue Melter or the brewery, if you make Tongue Melter, send it to us. If you want to make Tongue Melter after hearing that, you got it. We trademark it. We'll mail that name to ourselves to copyright it. I think that's how that yeah, works. I want, I want credit, and I want yeah. to be on the can Fair. like this guy, just but just riding a giant flaming tongue. <laughs> that sounds great. Let's give, let's give Delhi Lama from Dunlow a rating out of ten if you're ready. Yeah, this beer feels like a six point seven for me. Six point seven for me. It feels like a nine. This is great. Wow. I'm looking on the can and I can't find how old it is, which is, um, which is probably the wrong way of saying that. I can't tell how new it is, but it tastes very fresh. Yeah, I checked. I actually asked uh, the owner sure. of Curtis Park. I'm like, hey man. I want to buy this for my podcast, mm-hmm. but it doesn't say how old it is, but it's like your guys' stuff. So right. you, you tell me. And he's like, nope, that came in and it was canned about three to four weeks ago. And okay. that was about a week and a half, two weeks ago now. So maybe six weeks at the oldest on this. Yeah, beer. it's very, very fresh tasting. I th- I was going to guess, you know, like two or three weeks. But the fact that it's almost double that is more of a testament to to the lovely flavors and the science of the brewing that went into this. This is great. Yeah, it's a nice beer. I'm, uh, you know, it would have rated higher, but just again, stylistically, it's it's not my favorite. But six seven is like, I mean, I think hazy's like just register at like a six eight or a seven for me. And if they go above that, they're like world class, like changing my life. Totally. Uh, all right. Well, that's Delhi Lama from Dunlow Brewing. Six point seven for you, dude. Nine for me. You got anything else in this beer? No, I'm good, man. So let me say. Once again, you are listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on KZFR 90.1 FM. Uh, if you get a chance to get down to Sacramento and buy this, and if you're going to try Dalai Lama, we want to know about it. Reach out. Let us know what you think. Max, where can they do that? Yeah, you can send us an email if you want it. FHCcast at gmail.com. Johnny, like you said earlier, people can find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. And if you're feeling up to it, feel free to leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. What you're about to hear is a trailer for the newest Marvel film, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. If you haven't seen it yet, we're not going to spoil it. We are going to talk about what we thought, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Throughout my life, the Ten Rings gave our family power. If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. You are your mother. And whether you like it or not, you are also your father. I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you if they tried. right he's just a criminal who murders people be careful how you speak to me boy i thought i could change my name start a new life but i could never escape his shadow 
run from your past. Is this what you wanted? Thank you. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear this here discussion in its entirety. It'll be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Johnny Summers, what did we just hear? We just heard, like you said, a trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Our main character, Shang-Chi, must confront the past he thought he left behind when he is drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization. Yeah, that's the sort of generic internet synopsis of the film, which was directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. We would know that name, at least on this show, from directing the film Just Mercy back in 2019, starring Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Uh, we Love covered that movie. it. It was a great movie. I think we both really liked it. We covered it on episode 158 way back in January of 2020. So if you're interested in hearing our thoughts, go listen to that. Uh, this has some screenplay credits in addition to Cretton with uh, Dave Callahan and Andrew Lanham. Johnny Summers, I'm going to throw you on the chopping block here. Tell me who's in this movie. I'm sure we're going to butcher some names, but let's do our best. And maybe tell me uh, what the characters' roles are in the film, if you wouldn't mind. All right. So you had Simulu as Shang-Chi. You had Aquafina as Katie. Yeah, Katie's best friend, yeah, slash valet person who uh, they've been friends for like 10 years. And as far as she knows, he's just a normal San Francisco guy with a lot of charisma and parks cars. That's right. And you had uh, Menger Zhang nice. as Zhai Ling. Yeah, that's uh, Shang-Chi's sister who he hasn't seen for a very long time. We find out more about that later, but she is very cool. Yeah. And then you had Fala Chen as Yingli. That's their mom. That's right. And then you had Tony Lung as Wenwu. He is this super old guy that doesn't seem that old that uh, has the 10 rings, uh, the ones that he wears on his arms, but has also started sort of this this war nation called the 10 rings that he's used over over the millennia to sort of conquer the world. That's right. And then you had Florian Montano as Razor Fist. <laughs> he's a henchman with a sword for an arm. <laughs> Which is like pretty good name for that. Yeah. And then you had Michelle Yeoh as Ying Nan. Ah, Michelle Yeoh. She's great. Uh, she's th- their aunt, basically. And she, you know, she, she, I oh, actually know she's her aunt. She's their aunt. We're not going to say too much about that yet. I don't think it's maybe spoilery. I agree. Okay. Tell me about uh, when this movie came out, how long it is. Yeah. So this movie was released to theaters on September 3rd of this year uh, over Labor Day weekend. And it clocks in at two hours and 12 minutes. Long for a normal movie, maybe short for a Marvel movie, I think is probably about right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This isn't one of those situations, dude, where like we weren't going to cover this movie because it is just such a huge thing. Like Marvel, every time a Marvel movie comes up, we're just like, all right, we're going to cover whatever it is probably. Um, for me personally, I sort of felt uninvested in Marvel stuff after the end game things happened. And sure enough, there's like 53 more Marvel movies coming out. So I wasn't like super jazzed to see this from the Marvel perspective, but seeing trailers and, and even special effects alone, like this movie looked really enticing to me, but uh, what appealed to you about seeing this? 
So what appealed to me about seeing this movie definitely wasn't the fact that it was Marvel. It was the perspective from which it was written, the characters it was about, and the fact that it was, you know, advertised as essentially a Marvel, like, kung fu action movie, which, I mean, that might be an oversimplification, but, I mean, that's kind of, it's a martial arts action movie in a, in a Marvel package. Sure. And to me, that seemed like it could be really fun. As someone who grew up watching martial arts movies, I mean, I grew up on, like, the Jackie Chan, Jet Li, like, mm. all their movies were so awesome. So simply just that, that I wanted to see some crazy martial arts action, some cool fights with the CGI budget of a Marvel, maybe mixed with some crazy powers. And that seems like it could be a really fun playground for some visually appealing entertainment. Yeah. Did it, did it become that? Was it, was it that for you? You know, it really was. I think there were, there were definitely slow parts in this movie for me and the plot was present somewhat predictable felt like it was there to just push us forward but not in like a really complex way i mean it had the formulaic arc of many marvel movies i think the things that change from marvel movie to marvel movie are the characters the interactions and in this case the style and type of fighting and action and some of the different powers and elements contained within so sure at this point they're all so cookie cutter very little changes from movie to movie, but I think they changed enough and made this movie unique enough. And I think it was really cool to have a bunch of Asian uh, Marvel characters. And I think it's really neat. I think it's good for representation and maybe young kids who've never seen anyone that looks like them in a Marvel movie. That's always really neat. I mean, we had the same conversation during black Panther, but that was also just, you know, such an epic and fantastic movie. The representation of that, felt like important, but like not, it didn't overshadow the good movie. It just didn't just have representation for representation's sake. Right. Uh, and I liked this movie quite a bit for the representation aspect of it, but just the pure action, man, the action was what really kept me invested in this movie. And it just progressed. It ramped up as the movie went on and the stakes got higher and the things happening got wilder. I mean, when you start out with a, a bus fight yeah. in the city streets of yeah. San Francisco, and then you only go up from there, I think it's pretty impressive what they did. I mean, at one point you leaned over and said, this is a really it's cool a, idea for yeah, a fight. Like, and right? I'm like, dude, I agree so completely. So I think a lot of what they did with the action was, I wouldn't call it groundbreaking, but it was definitely like super fresh for this universe. And also it was done in such a big budget way that it was just absolutely aesthetically pleasing that what you were left with was just overall a very enticing package of a movie. Yeah, you've hit on a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. And it wasn't until about halfway through you started talking that I wanted to I started taking notes so I didn't miss stuff. So I'm going to miss some things that I meant to address that you just said, Um, namely like the formulaic sort of expectations one has when seeing a Marvel movie especially mm-hmm. when it comes to like an origin story, like there is just sort of an expected predictability when it comes to like a new superhero character. Like they're going to have either like something about their past that comes into their life and then they have to sort of overcome or, or meet their destiny. And that's kind of this, this, what this is about. But speaking towards like the freshness that you sort of mentioned about this character, like you mentioned black Panther and part of it, 
is of course like it, the representation is great, but it's also like a whole new window of culture that we haven't, that I haven't seen in a Marvel movie. Definitely. Um, I haven't beat over the head with, with the Spider-Man or Batman origin story. Like I, we all know that story. And if I have to see it again, I, I don't mind it. Like I love Spider-Man. That's fine. But, but putting it in the perspective of these totally new characters is so awesome. And, and like, even that, yeah, like the first bus fight scene, which is like in the scope of the movie, almost like a throwaway fight scene. It's so well done. Um, I remember thinking a couple fight scenes later, there's these really big sort of action set pieces that happen. Like there's a whole scaffolding fight. Um, but every single one I thought was super engaging. Like the hand-to-hand combat was great. Uh, the cast is great in this too. Like everybody's really believable as these characters. I going into this did not like Aquafina. I don't something about her always kind of bothered me, but, but she oh, won really? me over too. Yeah. And I know that you really like her. I didn't like her in Raya and the last dragon. Uh, Cause I think it's, I think it's her voice. She's got a very specific voice. She's great. I love her voice. I liked her a lot in this. Um, but man, I mean, just the visuals of this are so awesome that you could probably set aside any sort of, you know, Marvel predictability or, or even like cinematic plot stuff. And you could just look at this movie and love it. There's a particular fight scene early on, and I don't want to say too much, but it's between two characters in the past and they meet and then they fight, but it's like a cute sort of flirty fight. And that's sort of the first time in the movie you see almost these echoes of homages towards like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and all of these old Kung Fu movies that really rely on, uh, they call it wire foo, which is, you know, sort of reductive, but the, the style of Kung Fu movies that embody sort of like characters that kind of bend the rules of physics to some extent, even like the matrix and, and just kind of float and fight like the floating fighting thing is so visually stunning when paired with the technological abilities we have slash the budget that Marvel has to make totally. this stuff. And like yeah. just watching leaves swirl around or like, like the water in this movie looks so cool. Like there's slow-mo shots of water. It was a gorgeous movie to watch. I was invested as much as I could be for what was ultimately a predictable kind of story arc that didn't necessarily surprise me, but I don't think I needed to be surprised. I wanted to be entertained in this case. And I definitely was. Exactly. And I personally did not go in with the expectation of being surprised. I right. wanted to, like you just said, be entertained. And I wanted this movie to be awesome to look at. Those were the only things I was hoping for. And it fully delivered on both. Can we talk a little bit about sort of Marvel exhaustion? Yeah. God, yes, we so, can, because I think we've both got it. Yeah. Like, and, and I like, cause we kind of talked about this. I, I, this is just for me and you, I guess, but I, I suggested sort of a game before we started this movie, because we actually saw this together, which was wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, like we, the next person gets to buy drinks. If the, if the other person can predict like a Marvel phrase that gets tossed in and like mine was like quantum realm. Cause there's so much in all of these movies, even after Avengers Endgame, that they mm-hmm. keep trying to tie you in. It's like, like the first one that came out was Spider-Man um, homecoming, I think. And like that movie was laden with Tony Stark, just everyone. He had just died. And like, it's just, it feels like you were in that same thing and, and you had to have seen all the other Marvel movies to appreciate it. And I personally was very pleasantly surprised that I think you could probably see this and never have seen the other Marvel movies and still really enjoy it. Totally. The only real cameo was from Wong. There's, from- there's another pretty big one that we probably shouldn't say now, 
but okay. but yes, Wong, yeah. I agree, is, who's, is, if you don't know, Benedict Wong is the actor. Um, he is one of the sort of wizards in the uh, Doctor Strange temple or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I agree. And there's one other character who shows up uh, who is, you don't have to know who he is to appreciate the movie, though obviously it's Marvel, so like that character is going to come up and be a bigger thing in the future probably. But mm-hmm. I, I really appreciated the fact that I could just go and see this as its own thing and just enjoy it. Yeah, not often do Marvel movies stand on their own own legs and not rely heavily on everything that's come before. Right. Like they've built such an extensive universe for them to come out with something that is kind of uh solitary to a degree is yeah. is pretty nice because like you said it's not none of the the one thing that bugs me in some of the other Marvel movies fatigue-wise yeah. is um all of the humor basically being callbacks to other movies. Yep. Yep. That's just not original. It's not good <laughs> writing like for the movie I'm watching. Yeah, I had a conversation with a friend the other day. Uh, shout out to Ben Ruttenberg, who has sort of like, he's never really seen the Marvel movies. And for some reason, he started with Avengers Endgame. Or I think he started with a fit Infinity War. Oh my God. And and I guess, spoiler alert for Endgame, if you haven't seen it, but it came, you know, whatever. Like there's the scene, the pinnacle scene where sort of, they bring like Tony or somebody, they bring back everybody who's been snapped away by Thanos and like the portals open up and they all show up. And then Ben pointed out, cause we were, t- I was telling him we were covering this for the podcast. And he said, there's the, there's the scene in the movie where like the big purple dude talks to this girl and the, and she's like, I'm going to ruin your life. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. Thanos says that to Scarlet witch. And Ben just was like, and I just took a shot and I was like, that's how I've been feeling this whole time, man. And so much of that movie is built, like you're saying, like on the 20, I think two movies that came before it at the time. Um, and if you're not, like, if you haven't watched all of them, like you're going to miss stuff and I'm sure you'll miss some stuff in Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. If you haven't seen, you know, yeah, the, the 24 movies that came before it, but you can still set it aside and just watch it. Yeah. I don't think it would be enough to impact this movie. Agreed. Um, if you don't have any more immediate thoughts on this, sir, I suggest we give it a rating and go from there. Yeah, I don't. Um, other than stuff I want to probably save for the danger zone. Sure. So uh, for me, like I said, I really just, it was aesthetically pleasing. I didn't want to be surprised. I mean, I wasn't expecting it. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by, you know, the lane that they stayed in. It was nice. Um, yeah, Agreed. It was so visually pleasing. We saw it in an XD theater, which I think I would recommend highly. Yeah, it was uh, great. Just, it was just the bottom line. It was just a cool movie to watch. Like if you love martial arts movies mm-hmm. and you have any sort of compassion or love for Marvel movies, I mean, this is going to be right up your alley. It's a great way to spend an afternoon at the theater with a buddy. So for me, this movie is clocking in at like 8.2. Nice. For me, it's an eight, which is like, it's going to... I got to update my letterbox list of like my, my ranking of Marvel movies, but this is, this is not far from the, from the top few. I think it's very going to be up there. Uh, all right. Well, if you got nothing else, Johnny Summers, take us out of here. You've been listening to me and Max here at Fresh Hop Cinema on KZFR 90.1 FM. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is in a theater near you right now. If you get a chance to see it, you want to let us know what you think, please find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema or send an email to FHC cast at gmail.com or just head to our virtual mansion of a website freshhopcinema.com for film reviews beer reviews and podcast episodes dating all the way back to the year of our lord 2016 to our kzfr listeners the full-length version of today's conversation with spoilers for shang chi 
a second beer review, plus the ever-exciting Hot and Bothered, will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. wherever quality podcasts are found. And to all of our podcast listeners, we'll be right back to talk spoilers in the Danger Zone. 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 Hey, welcome to the Danger Zone, the portion of the show where we discuss our film of the week without being concerned about spoiling it. So we're either assuming A, You've already seen this movie as well, or B, you don't care to see this movie and you don't mind if we spoil it for you. Or C, you don't even know what we're talking about and you just started this podcast right in the middle like a fucking maniac. <laughs> in which case, uh, welcome, I guess, you maniac. Awesome. Yeah. Also, you're so cool. That'd be um, so crazy just to start a podcast in the middle randomly. Some, some men just want to watch the world burn, man. That's right. In keeping with superhero themes. So, Danger Zone for Shang-Chi. Um we can unpack a lot of stuff. I, I don't know that the, again, like the predictability of this plot to some extent doesn't need to be broken down. There's a big, there's a big climactic CGI battle that happens and, and ultimately our hero conquers and you know, we all move on in time and there's post credit scenes where we find out sort of what we're going to spend our $8 and 50 cents per ticket on in three months for the next installment. Mm-hmm. Um, so barring any real plot talk, Let's talk about stuff we liked about, about maybe spoiler territory. Let's like, we can talk about stuff we couldn't talk about earlier. The dragons were cool. The dragons were, do- well, one dragon and also the soul sucker. That, that dragon looked cool. I don't, was it, I don't know if it was a dragon. Oh, it wasn't? I kind of assumed it was like a, like a version of a dragon, but, but you're right. It definitely it, wasn't like the traditional Chinese dragon. It was like a dragon and a squid and a yeah. demon had a baby. Um, I actually want to backtrack a little bit. The first time we see sort of a non-Earth-based creature is in the company of a character who I think was a callback. It was, it was Trevor uh, Trevor Slattery, I think is his name. He was the guy that showed up in Iron Man uh, uh, 3, maybe, played by Ben Kingsley. And he's a stage actor that is sort of an alcoholic that gets duped into portraying who I believe was supposed to be uh, Wen Wu, who was the dad of the and, and the the warlord basically yeah but in his sort of chambers is kept a strange little pug pig with no face (laughs) yeah chicken pig thing yeah which i assume you loved yeah he was great you're a big fan of like animals not not that he was a sidekick or whatever but like animal companions oh i love creatures in movies yeah and he was so cute and enjoyable and just pleasant like just wanted to go home uh, and also, he reminded me super of like Pokemon. And then once they got to the the village, it was Talo, Talo, the yeah. yeah, the village that guards the portal to basically the butthole of hell. <laughs> um, I really yeah. loved all the creatures. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with much Chinese mythology, but those animated food dogs were like the coolest shit I've ever seen. What's in a, a movie. what's the food dog? The food dogs were guardians, I believe, of the underworld, okay. um, and they are—they were basically the giant lion, cat-looking dog things oh, that yeah. were. And I've you know seen many illustrations and tattoos of food dogs. They're very prominent in Asian art and Chinese culture. Uh, food dogs are really cool, and like uh, to see them animated, like so cool. They look like giant lion dogs that just. Oh, they were so badass and so giant. And when they got armor put on them, I was like so pumped. Uh, I wish there would have been more than two of them. But like if you look at the waterfall 
in the entrance to Talo, there was two Fudog statues guarding the entrance. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's kind of like a thing that they only run in packs of two. Uh, but it was super dope to see all the creatures. There was like crazy, like whatever Ben Kingsley called it, a really weird horse. <laughs> like just crazy creatures. Yeah. And the, the the fox with like the the tails that reminded me of Nine so tails. much of, of uh, Pokemon. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on that note, I think, I think this is, especially when we get to the Talo, like the third act of this movie, basically, um, there's a lot of that stuff. Like the fact that you point those guys out and, and the faceless sort of chicken pug pig thing is actually a real thing in Chinese mythology. It's called a hundun. Um, in there, the, it's called like a legendary faceless being, but is also sort of a symbol of like, they quote primordial and central chaos in Chinese cosmology cosmogony which is different i don't know what cosmogony is i'm sorry for bringing this up um but anyways i'm sure there's a lot of that stuff in talo which is like this is sort of my thing going into the whatever phase of the mcu we're in i think we're in like the fourth or fifth phase or whatever um it's hard to go it's hard to turn the volume up anymore from sort of end of the world stakes with thanos so i was like well what are we gonna do about this like why am i gonna care and the introduction of not a multiverse, but multi-dimensions when it comes to sort of whatever mysterious realm that door was guarding. It's like, well, that's, mm -hmm. you did it. Like that, that, that's stakes. You've done it. Totally. And I, and I care a little bit. Yeah. Um, and when the, the soul sucker was trying to like eat the soul of the, uh, the dragon, I that was, was pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. I was stressed out, but also like great, great visual effects there too. Like the idea of like, which is not necessarily a new idea. You very aptly considered or compared this movie to a few things. Um, the one that comes to mind for my point now is Avatar. Because a mm. lot of these beings are very like, I think Avatar is mostly a bad movie, but the visual effects were were just groundbreaking, especially mm -hmm. the water. If it, none of the water in Avatar is real. Fun fact, everybody. Um, it was just like the first time that we, as a, as a species was able to create photorealistic water out of CGI and the water in this movie looks fantastic. Yeah. So cool. Um, yeah. Let's talk about sort of Aquafina's role, Katie's role in sort of helping the end. I like that subversion. Like she's just kind of a, it, it's like the Aria effect, uh, totally. kind, kind of in game of Thrones. where like the, not the chosen one is the one that kind of saves the day. And she ends up, yeah. uh, Katie does shoots an arrow through the, through the neck of the soul sucking dragon squid. Well, and there's this like, uh, overarching theme of, uh, misogyny a bit in this, in this movie in regards yes. to how the leaders of both armies treat women. Yeah. Uh, and it's dope that like, you know, the, the army and Talo, they all train together and they're trained as equals. But yeah. like, um, I remembered when the, the bad guy with the rings finally gets, everybody back to his compound mm -hmm. and they all get out and his daughter and his son are right next to him. And he's like, my son has returned. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And his daughter's just standing there like, okay, it's like, damn cool. it, dude, more of this. Sweet. Same. Like you were saying okay, cool. once he's captured them at the, at the fight yeah. club and he brings her back as an adult. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. So literally nothing's changed. Thanks Dick. Yeah. You um, know, I, I liked the idea. Speaking of, of the dad, the villain, when woo, um, it's tough because like you do have to have him sort of be almost irredeemably driven to bad decisions yeah, to make him a compelling bad guy. But you also, and I think to their credit, they did try to give him some humanity. Like he's trying to break through this shield to save what he thinks is his wife. But I was going to lean over to you and say this in the movie. Like 
at one point he says to Shang-Chi, his son, he's like, you let your mother die. Like you, you stood by and did nothing as she died. And I wanted to be like, hang on. If you're saying she's dead, why do you think she's being held captive in Talo? But maybe like, it was just like a spiritual realm that was being barricaded. I'm not totally clear on that, but it did seem like Shang-Chi could have been like, look, motherfucker, you just said she's dead. So maybe you don't go and terrorize this entire civilization and let out a soul sucking demon that could end the world as we know it. Maybe that, maybe we try that out. he was pretty, uh, pretty messed up in the head. Pretty brainwashed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I loved, I loved Aquafina as the the lovable like sidekick that was kind of a badass the whole time and just kind of, you know, not living up to her potential and and just was a scrappy. Let's yeah. steal this car and yeah, do donuts from our valet job. Like, I liked her personality and her just snappy, sarcastic humor in this movie was was a nice kind of thing for all the other characters to have bounce off of them it was it made the movie so much less monotone yeah speaking of her in those early scenes that was there was a scene which became one of my favorite transitions and and one of the most creative and funny sort of almost <laughs> yes. needle drops like there's there there's there's a callback that happens twice first they do some karaoke when they should go to bed and that comes up later again in the movie which is also very funny um but they're karaokeing the two of them shang chi and katie to i think it's aerosmith what's the name of the song um, don't want to miss a thing. That's right. And and the, the lyric in the song, if you notice, I don't want to close my eyes, I don't want to fall asleep. But when the song's about to hit fall asleep, it cuts to them drunkenly falling asleep on like a booth. And it was yeah. just like, that's okay. That, that's a very funny editing joke. Like good work there. That made me laugh out loud. I thought it was great. Totally. And I loved her as the um the tag along that has doesn't speak Chinese. So yeah. like yeah. she's you know as Asian as everyone else, but still it feels like the outsider. And the fact that she was able to like train a little bit and shoot a bow and arrow, I thought was super cool. And she became pivotal, which was badass. Yes. I mean, like kind of saw it coming, but also like yeah. totally didn't have to have it go that way. So yeah. I dug that. I, I think, go mm-hmm. ahead. Well, I was going to say, I like that they didn't necessarily, cause it's suggested as, as it pertains to their relationship by her grandma, I think that they're going to fall in love and like, when are you guys going to get married? And the movie doesn't go that route, which I thought was refreshing. Yeah, it didn't have to. We don't need to have a love story. Right, right. Like, everything, guys. Like just the idea that these two are just best friends who are clearly very affectionate and and depend on each other and and are not like only high fiving. Like she's not just a bro. Like she's still like a fully fledged female character that gets to be badass and get to be sensitive. And so is he. Um, oh man, I saw. I can't remember where I read it, and I'm not going to remember it now. Uh, oh yes, I am. He compared. Um, his character, let me uh, pull up my stupid notes here because, again, I'm Who's terrible he? at this. Simu Lu, he compared Shang-Chi um, to, to Matt Damon's – or to, uh, yeah, Matt Damon's character in Goodwill Hunting. No kidding. Which is to say that he's both um, very sensitive and in tune with his emotions but also sort of the host of this power, in, in the case of Goodwill Hunting, sort of his, his brain. But this power that he doesn't necessarily even know he's capable of all these things. Um I thought that was a really nice comparison because it is this male strong character that isn't just like a meathead and he's also not just like chasing this girl around the globe. And the two of them together, I think, work really well because of that. Yeah, exactly. It was a well-written character that had believable intentions and emotions. Yeah. Yeah. It's not I'm, just a yeah. cartoon character. Um, what were you going to say before you so graciously allowed me to continue? 
Oh, I think just in summarization, I would say that the third act of this movie absolutely made it for me. It had the strongest third act I've seen from a Marvel movie in a while. What uh, what about it did that for you? Uh, I just liked all the introduction of the lore of the city whose name I can't remember. Talo. Talo. Yeah. Talo. Uh, I loved all the lore and the the armor. It felt very like high fantasy. It yeah, just it got super deep into like... We make dragon scale armor, so bruh. Cool. Like, yeah. and we've got super sweet, like, dragon infused, like, weapons and stuff. And I just, I geek out on stuff like that. And for me, that was once they got into that village and I saw all of their, like, glowing, looking like lava filled weapons, I was like, yeah. okay, some cool shit's about to happen. And that got me so much more hooked. Like, I would watch a movie just about. Talo. Dude, in a lot of ways, dragons are kind of the pinnacle of, of the fantasy genre. They're sort of like, uh, you know, we just did our top five on Patreon about our top five fantasy movies. Um, mm-hmm. And dragons came up in that. And like, you have dragons anywhere from like Smaug from, from The Hobbit, who is sort of this wily, wildly intelligent sort of sneakster, to, mm-hmm. to like Mushu from Mulan, who is also a dragon. And, and they run the gamut of everything in between. Like, you have these destructive dragons. I think I talked about a movie called... Um, Oh, Dragonheart. Dra- Dragonheart. Yeah. Um, and dragons can be all of these things, but, but ultimately they're this sort of, uh, compilation of, of everything that maybe humanity could be. And they're the symbol for like majesty and all sorts of cool shit. Um, so the incorporation of at least the, the good dragon whose name is escaping me now was awesome. Like, is it, you could tell it was so jam packed with rich tradition and, and the fact that like this dragon had like pent up the bad guy and like given its scales to the people of Talo to defend themselves. Like that's what you want a good dragon to be like just right? this very, this, this sort of like strong guiding compass for your culture. That's what I would want my dragon to be. That lives in the lake near my house. Absolutely. So and he cool. was so cool. Like the way they animated him like flying through the air was just so bad ass. Cause he yeah. was just, he was a savage. He was just eating those little soul suckers out of the air like they were M&Ms. I don't, yeah, actually, now that you mentioned those, I don't want to glaze over those too much. Like Those were really cool. I remember thinking while watching this, like the monster design in this was awesome because we talked about last week sort of the the letdown of the werewolf from Werewolves Within. I was like, this is such a bummer. But like literally every creature in this was like, I could just watch that for a while. Absolutely. Moving forest. Cre- Not a creature, but kind of. S- but super cool idea. Super cool and pull- idea. And just executed visually so engagingly like it was just uh i wanted to watch yeah everything that had to do with talo and all the mythology and creatures i would 100 percent watch a movie about just all that so if they do like a backstory of like michelle Yeoh's character their yeah. aunt like i would be so into that i love her she's yep. been in some good stuff yeah um i think i'm pretty good on this man that's that's sort of the most of my thoughts is as as far as i can think of off the top of my head and looking at my notes um but yeah, I think everybody should go see it. If you can catch it in theaters, do so. It's it's a very big experience this film is. So so try to see it on on the biggest screen with the best sound system you can. I don't, I'm not always an advocate of the XD theaters. Sometimes they're overkill for the type of thing you're seeing, but in this case, I think XD great call on a Tuesday in town. It's like $8 for a ticket, so yeah, just do that. There's an appropriate amount of kill. Yeah, agreed. Um all right, you good on this? Let us bounce to beer number two. We got to go get it. So we'll be right back. I have my beer, sir. So uh, maybe you tell me what it is because you've picked this one as well. That's right. This is our second beer from Dunlow Brewing Company out of Davis, California. 
It's called Nightmares or Dreams 2. It's a pastry stout that clocks in at 9.1%. Uh, this is going to be a German chocolate cake-inspired imperial stout with chocolate, coconut, vanilla, and just a little bit of nuttiness. It's like us. Just like us. <laughs> womp, womp. Uh, heads up, the can is very full. I just opened it. Uh, I tried to do it away from my mic, uh, and it definitely splashed onto my pants. Sick. Um, okay, so pastry stouts. We, I think the last time we had the word pastry on the show was a pastry sour, and you and I both kept saying pastry stout because that is kind mm -hmm. of the most common use of pastry when it comes to beers. Um, are you a yeah. fan of pastry stouts? I would say overall, yes. I think some of them get abrasively sweet. I like something with a bit of balance, but if I'm in the mood and I want something super sweet, and I don't want dessert. I know that that realm of beer exists. So uh, long story long, yeah, I think I am a fan of that style. But, you know, with caveats. Okay. Um, another question is, this has coconut in it. And are you typically a fan of beers that use coconut as an adjunct? Yeah. I actually just opened a beer on my uh, weekend trip, was which was the, I believe, Coconut Tree from Highland Park Brewing. It was one of my member beers that I was able to purchase and get shipped up. And it was absolutely lovely. Like a... Like a liquid mounds bar, almost. You know, like the it's mounds, not yeah, mounds, right, not right. almond joy. Mounds well, with the coconut and chocolate. Yeah, I don't know what weekend trip you're talking about, but I hope you tell me about it. And hot and bothered. Very lastly, how is the temperature at which you are drinking this beer? Uh, I had it in my beer fridge, so it's a little bit warmer than um, like a cold fridge, mm -hmm. and it's been out for a minute, so it's. Probably 50 degrees, give or take. Okay, mine's uh, 10 minutes out of my normal fridge, so mine's probably like 40 degrees. Okay. Um. So let's dive in. Have you tasted it yet? I haven't yet. I've been talking and smelling cool. it. Cool, me too. What do you smell out of curiosity? I'm assuming it's the same as what I'm picking up. What's the overwhelming flavor? Uh, coconut. Coconut. Uh, and and uh, not the, the, the way I would have answered my own question about liking coconut as an adjunct is that Yes, kind of, because sometimes coconut can taste like, or coconut flavor in a beer can taste like suntan lotion. And I think there's very few beers that do it well. There's way more beers, yeah, that 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 sort of just skew towards banana boat kind of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You don't want a Hawaiian tropic beer. No. Um. So I'm both excited but also apprehensive to try this for the first time. But I've poured mine. Smells super mm. coconutty. Um. And and nine point one percent is sort of in that range where I'm thinking it might not be too, too over-the-top sweet. Oh, that's real nice. Oh, good. Okay, what do you like about it? Oh, uh, well, I'm going to just put a pin in this whole review that German chocolate cake is probably my absolute favorite cake of all time. Just the chocolatiest. Like, I, I don't know what that is, but I picture that scene from Matilda. Um, no, that was, that was like double chocolate. German chocolate cake is a German layer cake that or chocolate layer cake that has, um, this like frosting slash filling between the layers mm -hmm. that is like a, um, like a white frosting with a little bit of cocoa powder and a bunch of like shredded coconut and oh. sugar. So that it's got this, great. it's got this lovely texture and usually yeah. like you get them and they're refrigerated. So it's got like this chewy density to it. And the thing about German chocolate cake is it's like a shredded coconut. So it yeah. really adds to the whole texture thing. So you get like these delicious shavings of coconut mixed with this chocolatey vanilla frosting and then this deep, like heavy chocolate layer cake. 
Um, it's a it's a really good cake. So I think it's that and carrot cake with cream cheese frosting are like bam bam one and two for me. So um, this beer is hitting those marks because it tastes like the frosting of a German chocolate cake with that really heavy coconut with the chocolate and like I'm honestly getting a little bit of like cinnamon and spice flavor and yeah. then definitely a little bit of nuttiness that kind of accentuates the coconut but yeah the smell and like the initial flavor is like spot on German chocolate cake it's very sweet um mm-hmm. the way you described German chocolate cake I was thinking that sounds delicious because I've never had it but that sounds great like I don't, I'm not like a big cake guy because they just sound like whenever I eat cake, it's just like spongy wetness, which is not yeah. a great, but the idea of like adding different textures is very appealing. Like adding mm-hmm. like a crunchiness on top or something or, or like, yeah. yeah, like a coconut sort of, um, chewiness is, is nice. Um, yeah. so the idea that a cake might taste like this beer is very appealing to me too. Um, but it is pretty sweet for my taste. Um, and there's something on the back end that I can't quite put my finger on yet. So I'm going to go in for another drink, but I do like it with an asterisk, I think. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to like this one a lot more than you. Mm-hmm. They, they are, they're definitely nailing the flavor. I think one thing that, you know, I would like more mouthfeel and a little bit more viscosity out of it, yeah. but for being nine one, it's a little thin, but um, I'm going to say that it is not so thin that it is a bad beer because these flavors are spot on. Uh, really great flavor profile. They nailed their adjuncts and the ratios at which they mixed them. I mean, if you're saying German chocolate cake inspired stout, like I would have guessed that by sipping this. So I feel like, like a blind taste Fair test, enough, yeah. you you nailed the flavors. Uh, and you know, if the texture is not there, at the very least, the ABV and the flavors are enough to fall back on and say that this is a really damn good beer. I guess the only thing I would challenge logically is like you're to some extent, giving them points for accuracy on their description. Um, mm-hmm. And by that logic, they could make a beer called like trash can dumpster. And like, it tastes like shit. So good job. And like, so they're on point with it tasting like a German chocolate cake, I assume. But yes. like, I, I, ah, I, when you mentioned the, uh, the body of it, the viscosity, I, I think that sort of hit it home for me. Like it does feel too thin for mm-hmm. the amount of sweetness that I'm getting. And yeah, I mean, go ahead. It just kind of adds to the drinkability for me. Like this is something I wouldn't want to just sip. Like I can take pretty big drinks of this, which I kind of appreciate it right. not being this just thick, chewy style. Yeah. Like this is a drinkable 9.1. Um, and also, yeah, by my own logic and my own rating and, you know, shit talking scale, I have ripped apart breweries that say strawberry wit beer. Looking at you, Jackrabbit. Oh, damn. And, um, you know, I have ripped apart beers for not being as advertised. So in the same breath, I can't speak out both sides of my mouth that's and true. say, you know, it's not good, but they nailed the flavor. Like, that's part of it. Like, Yeah, you're right. Okay. That makes well, sense for I've, you. Yeah. You know, I've, I've shredded beers for being not as advertised. And for me, flavor-wise, this is exactly as advertised. And we drink so many beers, it's safe to say that that is not as prevalent as it should be. I just, I think I want more, I, I, I'm i trying to bring it back around to flavor. Like I want more breadiness maybe, or like. Your maybe, beer's too cold right now. That's also, that's a great point. Like it probably is too cold. Um, but yeah, like some, 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 some malty sort of foundation, like a roasted malty foundation just isn't there. So what I'm getting 
like if you if you think of this beer as a building, like the the foundation, the cement blocks should be sort of like a a toasted, roasty, maybe a little bitter, sort of malty backbone, and then on yeah, top should be like sprinkled chocolate and coconut and and some vanilla, and whatever. And like it just yeah. feels like I'm missing my foundation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose if you're wanting it to taste like a stout, but this is, you know, you have to, for me, I'm judging it as a German chocolate cake stout. Uh, and the foundations of German chocolate cake are coconut, vanilla, yeah. and chocolate. I am, so. uh, I'm aggressively holding my cup in my palm right now. Like I've got a <laughs> couple ounces left. Like I'm, I'm just almost breathing into it. Like warm up, you son of a bitch. Give it a nice little swirly dirly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'm not. My mind's not made up yet, but it, it it does feel like you do like this more than me, like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Which this is, is a really nice beer. Uh, it doesn't have many sharp edges. It finishes smooth. It is very sweet, but I like that because it's a spot-on flavor profile for one of my favorite cakes. So, yeah, um, I like that it's drinkable. Like, in my opinion, if this was thin, I mean, if this was, like, super thick, oh yeah, th- this would be, like hard to get through more than 12 ounces because it's so sweet if you added viscosity to that it would just be like you need to share the 16 ounce can but for me like honestly i'm probably going to finish the 16 ounce can i think it's it's very enjoyable would i like it if it was thicker probably but do i like it how it is i think definitely yeah it's funny you say that because like it's almost the fact that it's not thicker is the reason i'm not going to finish my 16 ounces like I agree, if it mm. was if it was so thick and and presumably higher in ABV, I'd also be like, yeah, okay, this is way too much. But I think there's some wiggle room, particularly going up in ABV and viscosity. Where like I, I don't know, like it could it needs to be to be hefty for me to to want all this because it is just too sweet for my taste. Which right, is, so let me let yeah. me track your logic here. You're okay. not gonna drink it because it's too drinkable. I'm not saying it's drinkable. I'm saying it's thin and too sweet. Okay. Um. What's interesting to me is that you and I have almost opposite perspectives on this when it comes to IPAs versus stouts. Cause, cause for our first IPA, I'm like, this is pretty sweet, but I'm about it. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little too sweet for me to drink too much of it. And here mm-hmm. we're saying the opposite, like, and, and it just comes down to style. I think like, like w- with an IPA, you need more bitterness. And with a stout, I need more body. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think for me too, it is definitely a personal bias that this this beer is hitting spot on flavor notes of one of my favorite desserts. Sure. I don't yeah. think that can be understated. Um, you mean overstated, I think. Um, sure. Coconut. The coconut's good. It doesn't feel like the most authentic coconut I've ever had in a beer, but it doesn't feel artificial banana boat either. Man, I got to get another can of this and we're going to get like a little personal uh, German chocolate cake and okay. we're going to, we're going to edumacate <laughs> oh, you, sir. You left that hanging for so long. You're like, we're going to get a little personal. Let's go. Let's do it. Great. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, man. We're going to get naked, get yeah, in a sweat lodge, smear some German chocolate, German cake, chocolate on cake. Each other. Great. Yeah. Uh, join Patreon. You can watch our live stream of that on our, uh, what's that website? Uh, uh only, Patreon. Fans. only fans. Only fans. <laughs> yeah. We need someone to hold the camera that has a strong <laughs> stomach. Sign up now. A hundred dollars an episode gets you that. Um, Okay, let's rate Nightmares Our Dreams 2 from Dunlow, sir. I think this is a tremendous beer. Um, I think it's it's thin. That's my biggest detraction. Yeah. Uh, but the flavor profile is massively enjoyable enough for me to overlook the thinness and give this beer like an 8.5. 8.5. Very, very good rating. I'm going to give it a 6. Like, I, it's, you know, I'm not going to get this again. Not for me. 
Um, yeah, I will I, definitely buy it again. It cool. nails the flavor. Like, yeah, it's too thin, but the flavors, I think it nails f- the flavor profile it was going for better than a lot of thicker beers that we've had that just are muddled in overly sweetness and body. I, I don't disagree with you on how you feel about that, but I but I will take that sort of overcompensation with thickness uh, at the expense of uh, too much flavor. So All fair right. enough. Nightmares fair are dreams too. 8.5, six for me. Uh, hot and bothered. Feel good to you. Yeah. Once again, these have been beers from Dunlow Brewing Company out of Davis, California. Uh, if you've tried either of these beers or you're familiar with that brewery and you have beers, maybe we should just go get and drink. Email us. I want to hear your thoughts on this brewery, but I'm super stoked to get two from such a local brewery. Like yeah. it'd be very achievable to take an afternoon trip to go to Davis for lunch and try this brewery with you. So I would say keep them on your radar. What do you think? I want to take it one step further and say, if you think that I am right about sweet stouts like this and it needs more body, let us know. Or if you think Johnny's right, email us. Like there's clearly been a lot of uh, pastry stouts put out in the world. And and I assume you and I, dude, are not the only ones that have had them. So let us know what your opinions are on a pastry stout. It's a very divisive beer style. Yeah. And like by my own admission, that's the biggest fault in this beer. Like if this was nice and thick and like super heavy, this would have been like in the mid nines. Yeah. All right, fair enough. All right. Let us know what you think now, sir. Should we press the magic button? Do it. Welcome to Hot and Bothered. It's the part of the show. If you've never heard the show or this part of the show, welcome. It's where we talk about what's got us really excited about our lives or, or maybe a little bummed out. It runs the gamut of totally surface level to very, very deep and emotional. So, Johnny Summers, what has you hot and or bothered this week? No, you go first. Okay. I played a wedding in San Diego. Uh, Whale's vagina. If you only know me from this show and you think I'm a full-time podcaster, you're wrong. I play music uh, to make money and I play weddings. So I've been working with this couple for about 18 months through COVID and they actually had sort of a a stripped down wedding back in October where it was just their like closest friends. It was like 30 people also in San Diego. So I drove down, did that. And then their big wedding was this past weekend and it was Labor Day weekend. And my dumb idiot brain forgot that that means traffic driving to Lots San Diego. Of it. So if you're not familiar with sort of North to South California, it's usually like a nine hour drive at most to mm-hmm. San Diego from Chico And I ended up splitting it between two days because I didn't get far enough on my first day. And it took me about 13 hours to get to San Diego. Damn, son. Yeah. Uh, Which is an extra four hours, which is on a timeline of a wedding. That's a lot. Life and death. (laughs) So anyways, I I drove down. The wedding was on a Saturday. I drove down on a Friday, got seven hours, made it to Bakersfield. And I was like, all right, I got to I can't drive anymore. Got a hotel. And then it was a three hour drive to the venue in San Diego. So I left giving myself basically six to seven. I think it was, I think it was six and a half hours before the wedding, before I needed to be done setting up. Okay. That drive was supposed to take me three hours. It took me about four and a half. Oof. And I basically showed up and was set up. No, I showed up 20 minutes before guests started arriving. Oh my God. I know. I was stressing my little butt off. Um, cause I was going to play the ceremony. Uh, the cocktail hour, part of the reception and their first dance. So I had like multiple setups. It was a very labor intensive kind of wedding, uh, yeah. but I did it. 
it was it was a lovely wedding. Um, Sarah and Alec, on the off chance they ever hear this, what a lovely day. And it would nice. be great getting to know those guys. Um, but it was stressful, man. Like, I, I just, I feel like I've been doing this long enough that I can sort of, I try to account for stuff, including mm-hmm. traffic. But it was just one of those times where, like, just the world got the best of me. And I almost, like, I almost missed their wedding ceremony, basically. Yeah. Like if there had been one more accident and there were like six on the way down, it was a terrible, like just, I don't know, Labor Day weekend and people driving like nincompoops. Mm-hmm. There were like six, like I saw a car flipped upside down on the freeway. Which Jesus. is nuts. Um, but if I had been like, my my alarm went off that morning at the hotel in, in Bakersfield at like, I think it was like 8.30. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll sleep until 9.30. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just get up. And I got up. But if I had slept in, I would have missed that wedding. And like, <laughs> oh it's that God. kind of like cosmic coincidence. I'm like, man, like, because I, I sleep in sometimes. I could have done that. I might have done that. And yeah. I just happened not to. So it was very stressful. It was a situation that makes me look forward to sitting down, not having responsibilities, and drinking a beer with people that I appreciate, which is also to say we have an upcoming bar hang for our Patreon family members, which is on Monday, uh, the 13th. This is upcoming Monday. And I just can't wait to sit down with you and with the people that believe in our show enough to give us $4 a month or more and just have a beer and like talk about how fucking weird life is. Yep. Um, which is also, I guess, sort of a segue into a shameless plug. I know we talk about Patreon. If you want to be a part of that and just vent about life, join us on Patreon for like, you know, a dollar a week, you know, and then come to the bar hang. You'll get all the details by joining. It's a lovely time. Yeah, man. I'm stoked for that. The bar hangs are always fun. It's a great way to just reconnect and, Honestly, in this day and age, it is just nice to have face-to-face time with someone. That's why it kind of meant so much to me when you invited me to the movies yesterday. I was like, that was great. Yeah, it was great. Fuck yeah. Like, we're going to do this. And it reminded me of why we started doing this in the first place. Just, it's so fun and it's great to have personal connections. So yeah, I'm super stoked for the bar hang too. Okay. What's up with you? Uh, I went on a road trip this weekend, not unlike yourself, but I was also not (laughs) late for, I didn't have any time frames. Unlike myself. Yeah. It is unlike myself. You had a, you had a vacation. Yeah, I did. We took a little vacation and the only thing I had scheduled for the whole weekend was to go to a concert in Portland on Saturday night. So it was definitely a bit more loosey goosey, um, ended up splitting the drive in half, drove four hours Friday and then four hours Saturday morning. Yeah. Uh, ended up going to the Oregon State Fair in Salem, which was oh, cool. Fun. Yeah, just kind of explored a new town a little bit, went and checked out a fair and just, you know, played some midway games and had had fun. So that was fun. Uh, ended up driving to Portland Saturday afternoon. Uh, had a blast uh, with my cousin. He lives up there. And just imagine me, but like in my 50s. Okay. With more money. Oh, great. That's that's my cousin. That's my like, kind of guy. We get along. We're like two peas in a pod. Like he's got a kegerator in his garage where he rebuilt his Harley. Like we're just, we, we click on a level yeah. that is uh, preposterous. So it's always a blast to get up there and he's big into barbecuing and stuff. So uh, I hang out, had a happy hour with them, went to the concert, had a great time. It was a uh, vaccine card to get in and masks required everywhere. And I got to say it was a big heavy metal show, Yeah, um, but it was the most courteous and diligent with masks and polite crowd that I've been in, in my whole life. Dude, people have um, like this, this really, and I'm not the most experienced with, with metal concerts or crowds, but like there's, there's this sort of stereotype that like people that listen to hardcore music are jerks. 
And it's yeah. like the opposite. Like it's the people it's, that go to like, what's the opposite of metal? Like Southern country maybe, or like, totally. like Luke Bryan country that are just like fucking assholes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's pretty true by and large, like pre COVID, but I was just overwhelmed with this sense that we all shared this feeling that we're just so lucky to be here doing this. Like we're lucky to be able to see these bands live and support them and be somewhere and do a thing together that, yeah, you know, walking around on like the mezzanine level, it was like everyone had a mask unless they were taking a sip of their beer. And it was yeah. a thing. I didn't see one security guard having to tell someone to put a mask on. Love. It was just, it was so cool, man. Like I saw more masks and more people being good about it there than I have at any given grocery store anywhere. So just a super positive experience there and um, the camaraderie shared by all the people there, the smiling, I'm assuming face, the smiling eyes sure. that I saw. Yeah. And so many people had banging with masks. It was just a really we, neat, like, <laughs> can we coin the phrase more masks than a Marvel movie? More masks than a Marvel movie. That's it, man. But yeah, that was just like a really uh, validating and fulfilling experience. And it felt so good to see live music again on that scale. Uh, and the fact that everyone, like I felt safe about it. Like I don't yeah, feel shitty saying I went to a show. I didn't go to a super spreader event. I went right. somewhere that you had to have a vaccine card to get in the door. Like it was just cool. And like, we were all on board. It felt like, you know, team metalheads United yeah. and it felt dope. Uh, and then had a great time on Sunday, you know, had a nice, uh, barbecue went to, uh, did a bunch of stuff with my cousin, their family had a blast, had a barbecue, all that to say. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say you went to Portland. I assume you, you picked up some beers for us. <laughs> yeah. I would be a terrible beer podcast yeah, host you would. if I didn't. <laughs> I got to bring up beers and share some amazing beers from California with my cousin and his friend that were super stoked. Uh, but I also carved out a couple hours of my day on Sunday morning and hit up a couple breweries in Portland just to have a couple beers. And um, a lot of them, I could get their stuff around here. Like yeah. Wayfinder was dope, sure. uh, things like that. But I spent a good deal of my free time on Sunday at a place called Belmont Station. And mm. if you're not familiar with Belmont Station, it is just the ultimate craft beer experience in Portland. And that's saying something. Yeah, um, They get distro from literally all over the world. Uh, there's like a couple doors of imports, but they had fresh cans of Alvarado street, which confused oh, wow. me. Yeah. But also it was like, that's rad. I don't even get that. And I'm closer to them than you. <laughs> so this place is the shit. And they have like a, I think 10 or 12 tap set up. You can go grab a beer and shop for beer and just be social and drink beer there and hang out. Or you can just go get bottles and cans. And I actually spoke to one of the managers, if not the manager, and um, picked his brain because there's so many breweries in Portland that I'm not familiar yeah, with yeah. because it's like a whole nother world. And it's like they don't get distro outside of Portland, but there's some amazing shit happening up there. Uh, and I noticed there was these little um, employee picks or manager picks on a couple of the beers. And so I was picking his brain about a couple of these breweries and ended up picking up beers for the next two weeks of this show uh, on the recommendation of the manager of Belmont Station yeah. personally. So like pretty highly curated beer for the next couple weeks. So I'm super stoked to get into two breweries from Portland this next week. And that ends my hot and bothered, but I'm going to throw it to you to kind of preview 
what breweries those are and what movies we have coming up. Yeah, before I do, I was on the website of Belmont Station, which which is this really lovely building on Stark Street if you uh, are in Portland. Um, and their logo is like a, a traditional sort of subway line from from the UK is what it reminds me of. Um, and it's just wonderfully put together. They have uh, allegedly 1,400 plus craft beers in stock. And like you're saying, like taps and all sorts of great stuff. So that's, this seems like a great place. I will definitely make a point to go here next time I'm in Portland. This is yeah, awesome. next time you're in town. It is a must hit, dude. And they always have really good beer on tap too. Like I've gotten some amazing stuff there while I was spending way too much money on beer. It was, it's, Fair. it's, it's like a little, little playground. Yeah, great. All right. Well, next week we were featuring beers from uh, Grains of Wrath, which is of course out of Portland. We are pairing those beers with the film The Card Counter. It's a Paul Schrader movie of uh, first reformed fame starring Oscar Isaac. Um, and then because why not? The week after that, we got more beers that Johnny picked out from Von Ebert in Portland. And we're uh, pairing it with a new Nick Cage movie, Prisoners of the Ghostland. Um, look at the poster. And then if you like Nick Cage and you like the poster, you should probably just watch it. Yeah. And then tell me that movie doesn't look awesome. Right, it looks so good. <laughs> I was just, uh, I guess, double shout out to Ben Ruttenberg. Um, I was telling him that uh, basically at this point, any Nick Cage movie, I will just see. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I'm, you haven't seen Pig yet, have you? No, but I really need to. It's so good. I think it's his best. That's crazy. It's his best performance. I'm not sure it's, it might be the best movie that he's done. Uh, have you seen Bringing Out the Dead? No. Okay. Keep that on your radar. Okay. I will. Is that, is that Cage? Yeah. Super dark. Okay. Um, I think that brings us to the end of the show. As usual, this podcast wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Um, check out stuff that we've drank and watched and let us know what you think. All the stuff that we've said throughout the episode, we love hearing from people that listen. So please don't be shy. If you're like, I don't know that I have a good enough reason to reach out. I assure you, sir or madam, you do. So just reach out and say, Hey, we like it. That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. We are Fresh Hop Cinema, and we will see you guys next week. Don't forget, watch movies that make you happy. Drink beer that is tasty to you. But most importantly, always be good to each other. We love you. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hot Cinema.